Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. My name is Joe Crop, and I find myself entangled in a peculiar situation involving a cryptid that I am desperate to learn more about. But more importantly, I need to connect with anyone willing to explore its lair. Allow me to share the second-hand information that has led me to this point. I hesitate to label my cousin as a liar because he is an honest and trustworthy individual. However, strange occurrences have plagued his property far too frequently. Since car alarms blaring simultaneously, animals mysteriously vanishing without a trace, and pole lights flickering on and off randomly, despite receiving a clean bill of health from the electric company. These are just a few examples. More recently, something has taken to walking on his roof. Multiple witnesses have attested to hearing the eerie footsteps. However, whenever someone investigates, the presence vanishes without a trace. It dawned on me that it might be utilizing the caves in the sinkhole adjacent to his house as a lair. To provoke more activity and hopefully capture it on camera, we decided to throw large fireworks deep into the caves. 
We even utilized artillery shells and some slightly illegal, old-style mighties. It appears our efforts have yielded the desired response. Tonight, my cousin ventured to inspect his livestock due to their restless behavior, and the creature was once again on the roof. In an attempt to deter it, he fired a shot, but the entity was incredibly swift. He described its speed as being akin to that of a jackrabbit. The creature possesses the size of a large dog with glowing yellow eyes the size of golf balls. Its appearance is shrouded in darkness, and we are unable to discern if it is covered in fur or some other form of texture. Equally puzzling is its method of locomotion. Whether it moves on two legs or all fours remains uncertain. Presently, it has retreated back into the depths of the caves, emitting an agitated, rapid clicking noise that reverberates with intensity. I'm hopeful that the trail camera my cousin set up will capture some evidence of its existence. However, I must stress that investigating this entity carries a level of danger. It has exhibited hostile tendencies, making the situation potentially hazardous. Any guidance or assistance you can provide would be greatly appreciated. My boyfriend and I frequently go camping together. The summer of 2016 was when this encounter took place. We had set up camp in a little site along a trucking road. It was about 40 minutes outside of a smaller town in the area, and only had two campsites in this location. We chose the first site, which had a bit of a dirt hill to drive down, but the actual site was shaped into a circle. The other site was within view, but far enough away, and surrounded by enough trees that you couldn't really see people in it, only tents and RVs. We noticed that the other site had an RV in it, but it's a relatively common spot, and it was a weekend, so this was common. When the sun went down, we were sitting around the fire, probably around 11 p.m., when we hear some ATVs in the distance. This is a little weird because typically people ride them during the day, but not really concerning. However, then we see the headlights get closer and closer. Two ATVs drive into our site, and at this point we're a little creeped out because it's pitch black. We're all alone and in a no-service area. Two men get off the ATVs and walk towards us. I should mention that my boyfriend and I were 19 and 20 at the time. And these men are big. They come up and try holding just casual conversation, talking about how they're at the site beside us and wanted to introduce themselves. This is still a little concerning, is who introduces themselves this late at night. They continue to talk to us for probably 20 minutes before my boyfriend starts saying, how we're running out of firewood and probably going to head to bed soon in an effort to get them to leave. They then start talking about how they'll bring their own firewood over and bring us some drinks. We try saying we're really tired, but they insist and leave the site. So my boyfriend and I quickly start trying to pack up the site and make it seem as though we really did go to bed. We did hear the ATVs later on that night passing by our site, but we didn't get out of our tent to check. Overall, it seems really mild, but it it really freaked us out just being alone in the woods with these two bigger men. The whole situation was just really off.
This incident occurred in Ozona, Texas, in the summer of 2015. I had been on the phone with my ex-boyfriend, but I'd fallen asleep. Then I suddenly woke up because I could hear my ex-boyfriend saying, Baby, please don't do this. I believe that I had broken up with him while I was asleep talking to him. Anyway, he was telling me I was saying ugly things to him. In the middle of our conversation, I hear wings flapping and see a large shadow stop at my window. The first thing that runs through my mind is Lollachusa. I tell my ex not to hang up, but not to say anything. I'm scared, and I don't explain anything to him. Then all of a sudden, the shadow disappears. I then start telling my ex what happened, when from the ceiling of my room, I hear this horrible laugh and scratching. Then I try to yell and nothing comes out. I am frozen scared. I try to yell. I try to get up, but I can't. Somehow I finally jump off my bed and run across to where my cousin and her daughters are asleep. I try to wake up my cousin, so I touch her, and she opens her eyes. I said, there's a lechuza, but she didn't understand me. She said, what? Pretty loud? The girls woke up, and right then it's right above my cousin's room. The girls start to cry. I'm starting to freak the heck out. We don't know what to do. My cousin and I decided to call the cops and tell them that we saw someone looking in the window. I mean, what would they think if we said, we need an officer to rid us of this lechuza? Anyway, we call them, and I swear the scratching, laughing, and thuds are loud and getting louder. We wait in literally seconds before we see the spotlight from the cops outside. It stops. The cop arrives, but they soon leave. About ten minutes after he leaves, it comes back. We run to the car and decide to leave. That was the last day I lived with my cousin. I reside in southern Appalachia, nestled next to the scenic Pisgah and DuPont forests. In this picturesque region, I have become acquainted with a rather intriguing phenomenon. It's not something I can easily explain, but I often catch glimpses of shadow, like beings with dark faces. They stand about five and a half to six feet tall, peering around from behind trees. These sightings have become a regular occurrence in my life. At first, I attributed these encounters to the paranormal, as I can never seem to find them once they retreat behind the protective veil of foliage. Every day, without fail, I spot at least three of these enigmatic figures. It's frustrating that I've never managed to capture a photograph in time, as they swiftly vanish from view. It's as if they possess a supernatural ability to conceal themselves. Curiously, after briefly revealing themselves to me, they occasionally peek back out from behind the tree to check if I have moved on. Despite their elusive nature, I've never felt threatened by their presence. We seem to coexist in a state of peaceful indifference. I go about my daily activities paying them no mind, and they reciprocate by showing no signs of aggression or harm. I share this story in the hopes that someone may shed light on the nature of these mysterious beings. Perhaps there are others who have encountered similar phenomena or possess knowledge that can help unravel this enigma. If not, that's perfectly all right. Maybe someone will find amusement or intrigue in my account. After all, it's the peculiar mysteries that add flavor to our lives and spark the imagination.
Air Force former active duty and current reservist here. I was deployed to in Surlick, A.B., Turkey, recently back in October 2016. I worked the overnight shift, so on my day off, I would typically go to the bowling alley, USO, do laundry late at night, basically just find things to stay awake as long as I could so I didn't mess up my sleep schedule. Sometimes they would cut power to the entire base around 1-2 a.m. We never got a warning when it would happen, but everyone was used to it and it would come back up around 5, 10 minutes later. One night on my day off, I was out by our tins, basically the shitty trailers that we stay in where they pack like eight airmen to a room meant for two. I think maybe I was trying to call my wife or just outside doing nothing, killing time. All of a sudden, the power goes out completely. It's around 2 a.m. No street lights, no lights coming from buildings. It is pitch black on the entire base. I figure after five, ten minutes it would come back, so I'm waiting. After about five minutes, I hear security forces, military police, vehicles with their sirens racing up and down the streets. Still, I'm like, uh, okay, maybe an exercise or coincidence or something. Twenty more minutes go by, still pitch black. A steady flurry of police cars still zooming up and down the streets. My buddy and co-worker comes out of his tent, telling me that a few of his roommates are security forces and their radios were going off with calls and that they had awoken and thrown on their uniforms and left the room. Keep in mind, this is only a few months after the coup happened, so everyone was on high alert and suspicion, and many of the people there at the time, not me, were present for the coup. So to keep with the story, me and my buddy are standing outside in the pitch black of night police cruisers racing up and down the street, and it's now been an hour. We were worried the base may be under attack. In Serlik AB is near Adana, Turkey less than 100 miles from Aleppo and the Syrian border, and ISIS is obviously a big threat. Beyond that, we thought it could be another coup attempt by the Turkish people. So finally, after about two hours of standing outside unable to see anything, power finally comes back. We never got word about why that happened or why the police cruisers were racing up and down the base. Could have been a power test slash routine shutdown gone bad could have been a coincidence with police cars. Who knows? We never found out what happened or why. During the last round of mutual fuckery between Israel and Gaza, we took hold of a house in a city in the north of the Gaza Strip. One day we see a light gray, nearly white donkey with a fold coming towards us. After a quick discussion with the commanders, it was decided that we should open fire and fear that Hamas might have planted a bomb in the donkey's stomach, so we shoot. Pretty sure we hit it a few times, and they both ran away and did not return. So far, not that weird, right? When we were done in that hellhole and I came back home, I talked to my friend from another unit and casually brought the donkey story up. He said they had the exact same experience, down to the color of the donkey checked up with friends from various units. Sure enough, nearly everyone had the same experience, even ones that were much farther away. Mm -hmm. 
So I moved to East Tennessee about two years ago now, and the state is absolutely gorgeous. Waking up every morning to a beautiful sunrise and going to sleep actually being able to see the stars is great since I lived in a city before I came here. Anyways, ever since I moved here with my now husband, I've been having some odd encounters experiences with something here. Not really sure what it is, but here's a basic rundown of what it does. It scratches and knocks at the back door, closest to the woods, mimics voices, freaks our cat out to the point to where he doesn't act like himself, scratches on the wall closest to our bed, thumps on the floor, and gives us terrible nightmares. We live in his childhood home, and he said that he's been dealing with this thing for a while now, and to be very careful if I were to go up into the ridge by myself. I've been up there a few times, and every time I did, I got a very uneasy feeling, like eyes on the back of your head or a predator watching you closely kind of thing. I think I was closest to it when we had to bury a few baby rabbits of ours that had passed away. It was dark and starting to rain. But I didn't want to just yeet them into the woods since I hadn't fed them and had a bond with them. Me and Hubby were close to the tree line when I heard something pacing back and forth in it. I couldn't see it, but the leaves rustling in the presence alone told me what it was. I was spooked, but I kept digging since I wasn't just going to leave them in a shallow grave. Whatever it is never popped out, but sat pacing the whole time. No growls or anything, just movement. Any ideas on what it could be? I don't think it's a skinwalker or wendigo, but maybe a demon. Anyone else have encounters with a being like this? I wasn't hunting be me, and a couple friends were walking through the woods at about 1 a.m. I pointed my flashlight into the woods, and about 30 yards away was a pair of green eyes reflecting back at us. We sat there for a minute discussing what it was, and the whole time it just sat there frozen. We decided that whatever it was, we should leave it alone, so we started to turn around. As I swung the flashlight around, there was another pair of eyes, and another, and another, and another. I pointed the flashlight back to where the first pair of eyes was, and in the few seconds that I had taken the light off of it, it had moved closer. At that point, we each grabbed a large branch and high-tailed it in the other direction. I was walking down a trail to my stand one day, really dense scrub brush on both sides. On this particular day, I left my rifle mag at camp, so I had one in the chamber and the rest in my pack. As I'm walking, I start hearing movement off to my right, then to my left. First one, then two, then what sounded like six. I caught a glimpse of fur here and there, but had no clue what it was. I slowly stopped and realized that I had been surrounded. Right at that moment, a coyote stepped out into the road and our eyes met. I figured it was probably best if I started the conversation, so I shouldered the rifle and leveled it on the coyote, hoping that one shot would scare them all. I think it was surprised by what it saw, because the coyote let out a yeep and turned tail, and they all scattered. I was happy to not have to shoot it. I now carry my pistol with me, too.
I was out hunting, and I christened my Mosin with its first deer, so I was feeling good. Once the deer was dressed, I threw it in the back of my truck because we butcher out at our farm. I sat down in my house and had a beer when I started hearing all these shrill voices outside. And I figured it was right near my truck, so I tactically shit my pants, grabbed my nugget, and went outside, expecting battle, only to find a bunch of ten-year-old girls outside my truck looking in the bed. Why, I found out that the neighbor's kids were having a slumber party, and my mom, for some reason, called my neighbor and told them I had a deer in my truck, so they all came to behold the spectacle, I guess. In 2008, I was in the Navy. We were 100-plus miles from any land. It was about 3, 4 a.m., off the coast of Peru. I was an electronics technician, so I worked in radio with one other guy, a radioman, and we just sat up scanning. On HF, UHF, and VHF radios listening for drug runners. We intercepted a UHF signal that played a short piano preamble, followed by a haunting, computerized-sounding woman's voice reading numbers, 11, 9, 4, 6, etc. This went on for about a minute, then the preamble repeated, followed by the same number sequence. Then it was gone. We recorded the transmission, wrote the numbers down, informed the captain, and shortly a message was sent off to the area commander about the strange message. The reply we received was to disregard. Creek me right the F out. I came to find out that this is a numbers station. And while the phenomenon is not entirely understood, it's likely a method for getting a secure message or code to an intelligence agent in the field over an insecure method of communication. Since the numbers could be attached to a one-time code, it's basically indecipherable. From May 2010 to May 2011, I worked as a security guard at a hydroelectric dam in Virginia. It was a fairly isolated location. If you needed an ambulance, you could expect at least a 20-minute wait. About a month after I was hired, one of the guys at the dam told me that most security guards out there quit after a few days because they got so creeped out being alone at the dam at night, and he was glad I was sticking it out. In truth, it could be creepy. Sometimes at night, when I was patrolling the basement level of the dam itself, I'd think about the fact that I was 50 feet below the water, lying on the low side, the only human being in about a mile and a half radius. Sometimes I'd hear weird noises in the woods, or catch a flash of a shadow while I was inside the dam. It takes a lot to scare me, though, and I knew I was either hearing critters in the woods, or my mind was playing tricks on me. One night, however, something happened that scared the living hell out of me. It was a little after 11 p.m., and I was sitting in the guardhouse reading a book. Suddenly, I heard a tap at the door. What was creepy about the guardhouse at night was that when you had the lamp inside turned on, people could look through the windows at you, but the glare made it difficult for you to see outside. When I heard the tap at the door, I thought it was a bug hitting the glass. It was so faint and I knew there weren't any contractors at the dam. I had the place to myself. Then the tap came again, more insistent this time. I grabbed my flashlight and opened the door. There was no one there. Then I let the door slip from my hand and shut behind me. To my left, 
previously concealed by the door as I had opened it, was a huge man, at least 400 pounds, wearing a gray sweatshirt and gray sweatpants. The sweatshirt was smeared with fresh blood. My heart started hammering. My blood ran cold. I was so scared I couldn't speak. As it turns out, he was a local fisherman who had been fishing off the bridge over the tail race, and he was wondering why the power company hadn't started back pumping into the lake yet, because they usually started a little before 11, and that was what always drew in the big striped bass. He was smeared with blood because he'd already caught and gutted a couple and wiped his hands on his shirt. He felt really bad when he realized that he had approached me basically in the same way that a murderer in a horror movie would have. I am thankful to this day that I was unarmed security, because if I'd had a gun, I would have either shot him or accidentally shot myself while trying to shoot him. I was deer hunting on some private land. In back of me was another hunter who had built himself a blind out of straw bales on a slight hill. It was early in the morning when I saw a reddish dog loping at the other end of the field going across our field of view. The stupid idiot started firing his gun at the dog thinking it was a deer. Unfortunately, he was also firing over my head. I could hear the snap of the 30.6 bullets over my head. It was obvious he couldn't hit the ground with his hat, so I carefully moved away from the line of fire. Later that morning, crouched in a low dip, some other idiot started firing his gun at something. The bullets rattling the leaves above my head. I was all done after that. Gave my guns to my son and never set a foot in the woods again during deer season. A few years ago, maybe four or five years, I heard a knock on my door. I live in a large apartment complex with a dozen other tenants. Remembering this almost feels like a dream when I try to recall it now. I remember going to the door and opening it up, and there were two men in suits. I want to say they had sunglasses on, but I honestly don't know if that's me just misremembering. Maybe I'm just thinking of the classic men in black scenario, and it's morphing with my actual memory. Either way, I don't remember their features at all, really, but they were definitely in suits. All they did was ask me one question, and it was something like, Hey, does this person live here? Do you know this person? I remember just saying no. And they were like, okay, and I assumed they thanked me and left. As lame as this sounds, I'm actually a bit frazzled as I type this because I know this happened. But I can't remember a lot of it for some reason. Looking back, I'm not sure why I didn't find this more odd or didn't share it with anyone. I don't even know what I'm doing here, but I guess I want to get this memory out somewhere. Thanks for listening. I was in the sixth grade when I had my first real encounter with a supernatural creature of Appalachia. I live on a small off-road in the middle of the woods. Only about 13, give or take, houses are on my road, so it's quiet at night. When I was a child in Appalachia, I was taught things to avoid any supernatural confrontation, but it was bound to happen one day. Some rules that I learned were never be out alone after dark if you see it. No, you didn't, if you hear it. No, you didn't. 
Things along the lines of that. It was January, and I had gone over to my friend's house, who was about three houses away from mine, so not far. But it was winter, and the sun goes down early, and I had lost track of time, and it was six, and pitch dark outside. When we realized how dark it was already, she offered for me to just sleep over, since she knew there was a possibility of me running into a supernatural creature. But I insisted I just walked home. She then offered to walk me home so I wouldn't be alone. Again, I said no. So I went outside into the frigid, icy air and walked home. I had my phone flashlight on so I could see a creature from far away in an emergency. I walked home as normal looking at the beautiful icicles and snow piles everywhere and thought I'll be fine. I was wrong. My driveway to get down to my front door is steep and it goes down fast and at the end is the woods. It's woods for at least five miles back. I walked down slowly since there was ice everywhere, and then I heard rustling in the bushes at the bottom of the driveway in the woods. I pointed my flash down and I saw a wolf, but it didn't look normal. Living in the northeast, I see many wolves, but this one looked demented. Wolves won't strike at you or run up to you unless you provoke them, so I thought it would all be okay. I was about halfway down my driveway, and every step I took, the wolf looked more and more demented. It had glowing eyes, and it was very big to just be a wolf. At that time, it started moving towards me fast. Another rule I learned as a kid was to never run from one of those creatures. But I did run. My front door was locked, but I had a key in my hand. It took me what felt like forever to unlock the key as it jiggled in the keyhole. My anxiety was so bad, and even though it was 20 degrees out, I was sweating like crazy. Finally, the door unlocked and I ran in. There's a window right next to my front door, and I looked out the door, and there it was. A skinwalker shapeshifted as a wolf. Its eyes were beady and cold. It was hungry. I looked away, scared of what would happen next. After about a minute, it was gone, never to be seen again. Every night for about two months after that, I was spooked to even close my eyes to sleep. It got so bad I had to start taking melatonin. I'm mostly fine now, but here and there I still feel like this wolf was watching me. It still spooks me to this day. That was my first ever encounter with a supernatural creature, but many were to follow after that one. I had many stories to share about these creatures, but that's for another time. When I was a teenager in early 2000s, South London, there was a rumor in my high school that there was a naked man who looked like Father Christmas in the woods. We relished that story, but all secretly understood it to be an urban legend. After school, me and my friends would go to the park five minutes away from the school to play on the tire swing and make daisy chains, talk about boys, etc. The park was on a seam of ancient woods. It was more or less a rectangular shape, with a large rectangular grassy green in the middle surrounded by woodland on three sides. The grassy green had a children's playground on the right-hand side butting up to the woodland on one side. The children's playground was large with an assortment of equipment for both young and older children, and was gated off from the rest of the park by two meters high metal railing. One summer's evening after school, we were hanging out in the children's park by the tire swing. 
as we usually did, when I noticed an unusual movement in the trees that bordered the other side of the metal railing. All I could see was a mixture of green and brown tones amidst the shadows of the in the woodland, so I approached the metal railings of the children's park to get a better view. The woodland had a kind of opening in it, at the center of which stood a large old oak tree. Dappled light filtered through the canopy to the foot of the oak tree, forming a natural stage before the audience of children's playground. As my eyes began to focus, I realized that right in the middle of the stage was a young... Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. man, about 30 years old, stood staring at us, a group of three teenage girls in their school uniforms. Our eyes transfixed for a moment before I looked down and screamed. My eyes locked on him in terror, but he did not avert his gaze. He stood there, watching us while completely naked, touching himself vigorously. My friends ran over to my side and followed my eyeline. Horrified, they grabbed me, pulled me out of my shock and out of the park, and we ran home. It was just before the time when mobile phones were ubiquitous, so we did not call the police and... That was the end of the matter. But 20 years later, I always wonder if that man went on to do anything worse. There was another incident that happened a little while later, but I don't know if it was connected. The sun was setting over the dense woods of the National Park, casting long shadows that stretched out like ghostly fingers. I, a park ranger, had been on my usual patrol when I heard it, a strange and eerie sound emanating from a nearby deserted cabin. It wasn't the first time I'd come across strange occurrences in these woods, but this was different. I was supposed to be the only one here at this time, and the cabin, as far as I knew, should have been vacant. With my flashlight in hand and a sense of unease settling over me, I made my way through the forest toward the source of the sound. The voices grew louder as I approached the cabin, but I couldn't discern any words. My heart raced as I pushed open the creaking door and stepped inside. 
The cabin was empty and the voices had ceased. The interior, however, was like a glimpse into the past. A collection of odd old artifacts from the National Park's history. Vintage maps, faded photographs, and dusty ranger uniforms adorned the walls and tables. It was as if I had stepped into a time capsule of the park's past. As I examined the peculiar collection, a rustling sound from outside pulled me away from my thoughts. I stepped back out onto the cabin's wooden porch and gazed into the darkening woods. That's when I saw it, an unknown predator lurking in the shadows. My heart pounded in my chest as I strained to make out its features. Its pale, human-like hand was adorned with large claws that glinted in the faint moonlight, and its skin appeared to be covered in a clear, glass-like substance. The creature's face was massive and terrifying, with milky white skin and eyes, veins of the deepest blue visible beneath them. Its long, sinuous tongue darted out, the only part of it that seemed to move aside from the trees swaying in the wind. Its antlers, black as night, resembled twisted, mold-covered branches, and its humanoid form stood an imposing seven to eight feet tall. My blood ran cold as the creature muttered something in a Native American tongue, its voice a chilling whisper in the night. Without warning, it lunged at me, and a battle ensued. I fought desperately, trying to fend off this foe. Its claws were razor-sharp, and its strength was overwhelming. I could feel myself losing ground, panic setting in as I realized that I might not make it out of this encounter alive. Thinking quickly, I reached for the knife strapped to my belt and managed to thrust it into one of the creature's milky white eyes. It let out another worldly shriek of pain and recoiled, blindly thrashing about. Seizing the opportunity, I turned and ran from the cabin, the echoing cries of the creature fading behind me. Breathing heavily and covered in sweat, I stumbled back onto the trail. With trembling hands, I fumbled for my radio and called for help. The police arrived soon after, but when they searched the area, they found nothing. No signs of the strange cabin or the creature that had attacked me. They looked at me with a mixture of disbelief and concern, no doubt thinking I'd encountered some wild animal or experienced a hallucination brought on by exhaustion. I couldn't blame them for doubting my story. It was utterly unbelievable. In 1981, an officer claims that he was on patrol with another officer. They received a call about something large in a wooded area of Sand Ridge State Forest. When they went to investigate, lo and behold, they saw what appeared to be a hair-covered man standing on two legs, watching them from about 200 feet away. The creature quickly ran off into the woods before either could get a good look at it, but both stated it looked like something out of this world. The following is an excerpt from the witness report about what happened. As we pulled up, it walked on two legs until reaching a tree, then knelt down behind it, rose up back on two legs, and continued staring at us. Officer Odea got out of the car, rifle in hand. I got out, putting my spare revolver in my waistband, pulling out my shotgun from its bracket under the dash. We both walked to the front of the cruiser, each taking a side, scanning for it, when Odia said loudly, There it is. I didn't see anything, so I shuddered where he told me where it was, behind a tree about 45 yards away, crouched down watching us. 
He instructed me to stay back while he approached it for a better look. Odia stated that he watched as this thing kept looking left and right, making sure nobody else was coming. Once satisfied that they were alone, it began running back towards us. That's when I took my first shot at it with my 12 gauge. It was just beginning to rise up though, so all that happened was buckshot springing into the tree behind it. Odia then grabbed me, told me to follow him back to the car. Once we got back in the car, he told me we needed to leave now. It was very dark, but still light enough for us to see. This thing was hideous. Odia has since passed away. Before he died, though, he wanted to come out and get the story. For all these years, I just never knew how or what the right time was. Most people have a hard time believing that policemen would not take into account shooting an unencrypted. However, when working with Odia, he claimed he would never shoot and kill a Bigfoot because they were simply too much paperwork. I live in Germany now, but the incident took place in southern Brazil, in the state of Parana in 2021. A brief summary of how I ended up in this situation. In 2020, I discovered I had cancer, so I had surgery, chemo, etc. for a few months. I finished treatment in 2020. One, I was in the bath and felt something strange. The surgery site had ruptured after five months and was oozing pus and blood. I despaired. My father has a quarry with an open mine of about 120 meters in diameter and 20 meters deep. It is a place far from the city, about 8 kilometers, in the middle of the woods, and with some family farms nearby. Well, I loved the place and decided to go there to think about what to do. I was afraid to restart the treatment, afraid that maybe the cancer had come back with a vengeance. There is the place where a crushing plant used to be, exactly where the trucks unloaded to the grinder. To take advantage of the force of gravity, it is located on the slope of a ravine about 30-40 meters high with an incredible view of the horizon. I parked my truck there and lay on top of it and watched the shooting stars. I don't know exactly how many hours later, but it should have been something like midnight. I hear footsteps slowly coming towards me. I was armed with a pistol, but I left it inside, and I was in the back of the truck. All I had was a piece of wood lying there. At that time, I was scared of this being a criminal, as we had problems with thieves stealing machine parts and parts. But this individual came right from the side of the cliff, and it was impossible for anyone to walk up. I even went back to check it later. My second thought was that it was a jaguar, because I'd been lying down for a long time. Whether I was a jaguar or a criminal, it might have thought that I had fallen asleep. As the steps got closer, I deduced that it was already on my side. I looked without moving my head, and I didn't see anything that was the height of a person. So I jumped with a piece of wood and screamed because it had to be an animal. Then I saw something I'd never seen anything like it before, and I get goosebumps just writing about it. It was a human figure, completely dark brown. It had no eyes, no mouth, and no ears. It looked like thick smoke. It walked very clumsily, as if twisting. When I jumped, it still hadn't finished climbing. I froze. It finished the climb. It passed by my side, about a meter away. When I jumped up and screamed, it did absolutely nothing. 
It passed by me and followed the opposite path I took to get there, left the road and entered the forest. I retrieved the gun from inside the truck. It walked for a while and came out again in the clearing. It started moving towards me. The night was very clear with an almost full moon. When it got nearer as it came towards me, I started shooting. I shot ten times. I remembered that I still had twelve rounds because when I arrived, I fired a few shots. I landed all the shots as it approached. It didn't do anything. It didn't seem to hit anything. At that distance, I never missed. Then it stopped and went back into the bush. The rest of the night, it walked in a semicircle about 50 meters from me, into the woods, out on the clearing and into the woods on the other side. When dawn came, it entered the forest, and I could hear the footsteps in the distance. I grew up there. I know every inch of it. I'm 32 years old. My childhood and youth were spent walking around there, going into the forest. You've never seen anything like it. When I asked my father, he just said that it wasn't good to go there alone at night because there's something strange. He had come that early morning because they were looking for me since I had left without warning and left my cell phone at home. He figured I would be there. So I live in North Carolina in the Kenda suburb-ish of a kind of small town. I came outside to smoke, and all the dogs started barking, and then all at once stopped. I was watching my neighbor through the trees, bringing his dog in, and a black mass moved very quickly through the trees. Now I'm in my backyard, and it's fully fenced in, and this thing looked like it was on my side of the fence. And it was fully black and almost round, like something hunched over, and it moved way too smoothly to be like a dog or deer. I'm just curious and mildly concerned lol any ideas as to what this might have been this encounter took place on fort carson colorado gunnery range in the fall of 1991 i grew up an air force brat who had been just about everywhere i joined the united states army out of high school and i have my proud career to hang my head on that being said, it's taken me many, many years to have the guts to share this story. I have been haunted ever since. It still makes me shake to the core reliving that night. Our squadron was out in the field preparing for the qualification of the M1 tank and Bradley fighting vehicle crews. We called this gunnery downrange Fort Carson a scrub brush which is an untouched landscape with a view of the Rocky Mountain Front Range that is simply beautiful. Towards the end of qualification, it is about 1.30 a.m., and the tank and Bradley crews were appearing to road march back to camp. The road back to camp was a well-groomed dirt road with very deep ditches on either side due to the heavy rainfall. Our team was back in the barracks awaiting the crews as we were to go to them if their vehicles had an issue or breakdowns. Nearly everyone in the barracks was laying on their cots, either sleeping or playing bones by the stove, as it was a chilly night. The head NCO is playing bones and listening to the radio traffic, he shouted out. They were on their way back in. People start to stir and move around, trying to wake up just in case they needed us. I was laying on the end of my cot with my feet on the floor. I had my beanie pulled down over my face to block the light. I was fully awake. 
The radio is directly across from me. Suddenly over the radio, our co gave orders to start the road march back to camp. The radio crackled and conversations began to take place. The first crews to road march back out were the Bradley fighting vehicle teams. The first Bradley had a ground guide out front. Everyone was wearing night vision goggles and they were using blackout lights to guide their way. Without warning, one of the drivers shouted, Hey, what the hell is that? I know the voice came over the radio. I don't know another voice. We need to stop. We need to stop. The CEO came over the radio and wanted to know what was going on up there. Another voice, sir. We need to stop. Just then I recognized our EXO telling the CEO, We need to stop the convoy now, sir. Meanwhile, at the same time, everyone back in the barracks was now standing next to the radio and listening to what was going on and staring at each other with amazement. The CEO gave the order to the lead Bradley to come to a full stop and halt the convoy. Keep in mind, while all this was taking place, the first and second Bradley crews were staring at a bipedal dark figure standing on the road looking over his shoulder at them at about 50 feet away. I mentioned the deep ditches. It was said by several crew members that this figure stepped out of the ditch with ease and began to walk in the middle of the road in front of the convoy. This bipedal creature had no care in the world that the crews or the vehicles were there. It's just standing there. By the time the CEO got to the front of the convoy to see what was going on, he had a hell of a mess on his hands. The radio chatter exploded into yells and F-bombs, people telling the ground guy to run and jump up on the top of the turret for safety. The EXO shouting to everyone over the radio to calm down and get their shit together. The first ground guide stated that in his night vision goggles when this creature stepped out of the ditch, and onto the road the creature's eyes were glowing like green fire and standing before him. It was like having an out-of-body experience. The remaining crew had no idea what was going on up front. They could not really get a good look, but the first three Bradleys got to see everything. All the crews heard everything, and in the third Bradley was the EXO. He was a former state trooper, a solid nobody's kind of guy who was standing through the turret hatch. He saw everything. As the CEO was making his way up the road to the front of the convoy, the creature turned and calmly walked to the other side of the road and disappeared into the ditch. The CEO was met by the EXO and the ground guide who told him what had happened. You could hear the conversation going back and forth through the ground guide's mic. Tensions were high. Soon the convoy was underway again. About 30 minutes later, the door burst open in our barracks and the crews started pouring in. They're excited and shouting at us. Did you hear what happened? The first ground guide was pushed to the front of the crowd and was asked to tell us what had happened. In a military kind of way, if you know what I mean. Suddenly, the CEO came through the door. Someone yelled, attention. He made his way through the crowd to the center of the room and stated, you didn't see anything. None of this happened. And if I hear of any chatter about it tonight, you will answer to me. Do you understand? Everyone yelled, yes, sir. The next morning, we're all spent from the night before. No one got any sleep, and to make things worse, and came the Blackhawks and men in suits with the base commander. They spoke to certain people, and the incident was soon put behind us. The most common thread amongst the eyewitnesses was that the Sasquatch seemed to not really care about the chaos on the road that night. 
It never ran or seemed to be scared. The way it stood there and stared at them, eyes glowing, is what freaked everyone out. I spent three months in northwestern Utah in 1999 doing graduate field work. I was alone for almost all of it. I read Lord of the Rings, played guitar, laid in the dirt, staring up at the stars. Very fun. Anyhow, one night as I was sleeping, I heard a strange noise. See at it below, around three, and that jolted me awake instantly. I was in a tent and about 30 feet away from me. I heard a grunt that lasted about four seconds. Maybe it was a throat clearing. It was an animal noise. Most alarmingly, though, it had a definitely aggressive tone to it. It sounded like a challenge. There were no bears in the area, but mountain lions were possible, although quite rare. I didn't hear any of the insane mating calls for the three months. I sat bolt upright and grabbed my flashlight. I had no weapons with me other than a small knife, and that was somewhere with the cook gear. I waited, quiet as a mouse, for about thirty seconds listening for any noise. It was dead quiet. I could vert anything, but not a single sound. As quietly as I could, but it sounded like when you're opening a bag of chips when you're trying not to make a sound. I positioned myself at the tent zipper, then suddenly yanked it open and shined the flashlight. Nothing. Then I bolted for the truck about 50 yards away. I made it and looked around with a flashlight. Nothing. It was out there watching me, unless it ran away when I ran to the truck. I had the window cracked a bit and watched and listened for about an hour. Nothing. I laid down in the back and tried to sleep, but it was quite chilly and I was wearing only a pair of underwear and my huge scratchy wool sweater that was luckily in the back seat. The next morning I looked for tracks but saw nothing, and for the next six or so weeks I slept in the back of the truck. My younger brother was in his room carrying out a conversation, which was weird because we were alone at home. I went to see who he was talking to. There was no one there, so I asked him who he was talking to. He said the little girl with the black eyes. I asked where she was, and he said that she had left. I thought he'd just lying. About a week later, we started hearing voices and footsteps. I would be sleeping with my blankets covering me, and I would wake up with them folded at the bottom of my bed. My sister got scared one night and crawled into bed with me. As she was getting into my bed, I woke up, so I turned on my TV. I also turned on my light to find the remote. I left the light on, along with the TV. Right when we were both drifting off to sleep, my door slammed shut, which is almost impossible as I always have a basket full of books in front of the door so that it doesn't close. The light then shut off and my TV picture went off with static noise. I got up and went to the door. I tried to open it, but it was like someone was holding the door handle from the outside. My sister and I started to scream when my mom came and opened the door. As she did, the light turned back on and the TV picture came back. We had a priest bless the house, but the activity continues. The house was built in 2003 and no one has died there. We need help. It was the beginning of archery hunting season for elk four years ago in August. 
My friend Richard and I, accompanied by our buddy John, embarked on an adventure to Black Bear Swamp. Little did we know that this outing would unveil a sight that would haunt our memories for years to come. As the sun began its descent, casting a golden glow upon the landscape, we found ourselves near a road at around 7 p.m. It was then that our eyes caught something peculiar. A creature stood perched upon a hill, its figure shrouded in shadows. Its hue appeared to be a murky brown blending seamlessly with the surroundings. The sheer magnitude of this being left us in awe, a towering presence that seemed to reach heights of approximately 12 feet. The image of that encounter still lingers vividly in my mind as I recall the conversation I had with Richard over the phone on August 18th. He described the creature, the words tumbling out in a mix of fascination and trepidation. The mere thought of it sent a shiver down my spine, a reminder of the enigmatic encounter we had experienced together. To this day, the details remain etched in our memories, serving as a constant reminder of the mysteries that lie within the depths of the world we inhabit. The shadowy figure, the towering height, and the haunting presence of that creature on the hill continued to fuel our curiosity, leaving us yearning for answers that may forever elude us. Four years have passed since that fateful day, and yet the impact of that sighting has not diminished. It serves as a testament to the hidden wonders that exist in the realms beyond our comprehension. Our encounter with the mysterious creature at Black Bear Swamp is a chapter of our lives that will forever intrigue and haunt us, a fragment of the unknown that forever remains embedded in our shared experiences. Marie in Minneapolis made two separate phone calls, first to Coast to Coast and then to Darkness Radio, looking for answers regarding something that happened to her the night after Halloween 2014, while doing her paper route. The event clearly disturbed her and she couldn't explain it, nor could any of the hosts or guests of the various radio shows. This happened the night after Halloween. I deliver newspapers at night and I was delivering newspapers that night and it was business as usual. I rounded this curve, and I saw a group of kids in the middle of the road. There were about six of them, and they were all wearing gray robes with hoods. They didn't have the hoods on. They were down their backs. I thought that was kind of strange, because Halloween had ended about ten hours before that. One of them saw me and started walking very quickly towards my car, saying something. She got very close to my car, and I could see that she was about 15 years old, and my first thought was, why was she out there? That's pretty young to be out there at that time of night. It was about 4.30 in the morning. I didn't have time to talk to her, so I drove around her. But then there were the other five kids in the middle of the road, and then they saw me, and they fanned out to surround my car so I couldn't move, and that scared me. I drove up on the lawn to get around them but they were coming pretty quickly at my car, and I almost hit one of them, and then I thought, I'm going to call the police, because this is quite odd. Then I thought I better follow them so I could tell the police what they're doing. I saw them turn down this street, and I turned to follow them, and it took about ten seconds to get to this street, and they were gone. They had disappeared, and there's no way they could have gone to even the first house.
I've been sailing all my life and have somewhere around 6,000 sea miles, as well as years and years of inland dinghy racing experience. The sea just does strange things sometimes. Wind against tide and underwater obstacles causing weird currents create unnatural waves and it starts to feel like the sea is just throwing water at you at random. Fog at sea at night really mess up your senses too. Everything is quiet and you can't see anything but the boat immediately around you. You keep looking for lights on other ships and listening for foghorns or the sound of engines in the distance, and your brain starts playing all manner of tricks on you. In a busy shipping lane, it's a serious business, and in a very real way, it could be life or death if you miss a ship that hits you and sinks you. You start to see lights everywhere around you. You start hearing engines creeping up on you. You stop your boat and cut the engine to see if you're hearing anything real, and you enter an even stranger world of sensory deprivation. It's eerie as hell. Second edit to add this one I've just remembered. A full solar eclipse. We saw one in the middle of the English Channel, and it was the strangest thing. There was thin cloud, but the sun was visible through it. We were within the total eclipse zone and could see the shadow coming from miles away. It looked like the biggest, most angry storm I've ever seen. Generally, the darker the clouds, the more it's going to hurt. This was a darkness as dark as is possible at sea during the day. Talked to my dad about it afterwards, and we both felt a real uneasiness getting worse and worse the nearer it got. Our bodies and subconscious were readying us for dealing with a really shitty, dangerous situation. It was just like how people sometimes describe sending a ghost a cold chill and feeling really on edge. It really was like a ghost storm. A lot of sailing becomes instinctual after a while and you get a feeling about what's coming from watching the clouds and waves off on the horizon. The eclipse gave off every sign of absolute nastiness but passed without any real world effect other than darkness. Really creepy. One time we were camping and were talking with one of the locals we came across that lived in the mountains, Appalachian Mountains. He eventually talks us into going down a back gravel road to show us some more of the land. He drives us down this back gravel road and eventually turns off onto a small hill and goes back through a path into a small corner in the woods. There's a group of people in old vans with doors open, propane tanks, and other random non-camping equipment. He cuts the engine and a big dude with a scraggly beard starts slowly walking up to us. At this point, we immediately knew they were cooking and gave each other the we need to get the F out of here. Look, the bearded man starts talking to our driver and arguing about money a bit and then ends the convo. Driver starts up the truck, turns around, and we leave. I felt like I was in the hills of eyes or deliverance. Kinda different story, but nonetheless creepy and thought we were going to die. Camping with friends. I went for a walk. I was followed by something. Later it walked up to me and stared from heavy cover, then brocked a large five-inch diameter branch to warn me. I looked away and sat with it for 15 minutes before I felt it was safe to get up and go back to friends. 
We left campsite for the night. We drove back to Bend, where we found the evacuation in progress for the Aubrey Hill Fire. We had no idea the fire was happening when camping, 